Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is brought to our church by our worship pastor, Brian Self. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. I've entitled uh, this evening's uh, sermon, Noticed. And that's because that's really what I see from this passage is kind of the main focus. Have you ever noticed how people change when they notice someone else noticing them, when they are aware that they're being noticed? Uh, Maybe it might be you notice your boss has come into the room. And so you might work a little bit harder or more diligently or a little bit faster than you would have otherwise. I've never done that, Pastor. Um, uh, I've never worked fast. Uh, Maybe it's been, uh, I've seen it often on TV uh, where there'll be a person and maybe they're working out uh, at the gym or they're doing push-ups and and they're doing the reps and they're counting and they're maybe doing a push-up and they go, okay, seven, eight, Nine, and then they notice a very attractive person across the room and they want them to pay attention. And so they'll go, 946, 947, and just inflate the numbers. It makes a difference when someone notices. Um, I, I love my son, and so I have to have a baby be illustration for this. Uh, he will do whatever he wants to do until he sees that I have noticed his behavior. So he could be playing contentedly with toys until he sees me watching him, and then he decides he wants to do something naughty instead. Uh, Wants to play with the bulbs on the Christmas tree, uh, wants to hit buttons for remotes that he's not supposed to touch. Um, There's been several times where he will be doing something naughty not realizing that either myself or Samantha sees him. And then as soon as we say, Brian, uh, then he'll immediately drop whatever it is he's doing and immediately break down in tears. What made the difference? He noticed that we noticed him. And in this passage tonight in Luke chapter one, uh, there is a difference that is made when we realize that God has noticed us. And I I think as we dive more into the passage, uh, we'll be able to see this in greater color. Uh, I just want to give a little bit of background for the passage before we jump into it. Obviously, it's the Christmas story. Many of us, especially here on a Thursday night, would be very familiar with the passage. Uh, But in Luke 1, it says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. 
When Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. It's into this scenario where uh, Mary has just been told really this life-changing announcement of both wonder that God had chosen her to be the vessel that would bring the Messiah into the world. The one that Israel had prayed for for so long, and especially during these Roman times. But it was also an announcement that brought some fear to Mary of the, the scorn that would come on her because, as she mentioned, she had never known a man. She wasn't uh, officially married yet to Joseph, though they were espoused. And during that time, uh, they were viewed as husband and wife. But until uh, that entire process was finished, uh, they weren't viewed as married. And so uh, maybe she had some fear in relation to, man, what will Joseph think about all of this? What will my parents think of all of this? Nazareth was just a little town at the time. And I'm sure she thought, what will my neighbors, my extended family, what will they think of all of this? And so she travels to her cousin Elizabeth, who uh, the Bible says was old. And when God says you're old, you're pretty old. And so uh, Elizabeth here, even though all of her life she had been barren, God had now miraculously allowed her and her husband to have Uh, the baby that would become John the Baptist. And Elizabeth gives this great encouragement to Mary. And she says, blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And it is in response to uh, this Holy Ghost inspired encouragement from Elizabeth that Mary uh, speaks these words and uh, would kind of sing this song is the format Uh, that we see here. Uh, We sing a song at our church, even from this passage, He Who is Mighty, we sing it on Sunday. Uh, But I think that as we dive into this passage and as we realize God's love and care and notice of us, that it will ignite in us, spark in us, a desire to respond in four specific ways. So let's pray, and then we'll dive right into the passage for this evening. Uh, Dear God, thank you so much for, uh, Lord, loving us. And God, that your love motivated you to send your one and only son to die for us. And God, we know that we are not deserving of that gift, but you gave it anyway because of your mercy and because of your grace. And God, we ask that we would respond in the way that you have asked us to. And Lord, that we would love you as you have loved us. God, we pray that you would bless this evening and speak to our hearts. We pray all this in your name. Amen. So there's four specific areas tonight that as we look at this passage, I think we'll see that Mary responded to uh, what the Lord had done and said that should really be a challenge to us to respond in the same way. Thankfully, none of us have been tasked with bringing the Messiah into the world And so all of us are in a less desperate situation or a less serious situation than Mary was. But with the Holy Spirit living inside of us, in a way we carry 
uh, we carry the Lord with us wherever we go, uh, just as Mary did in a physical way. And uh, I think as we uh, dive into some of these, um, we'll be encouraged. First one we have is in verses 46 and 47, the admonition that everything in us should praise God. Verse 46 says, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. She starts it off saying, My soul doth magnify the Lord. This word soul here uh, comes from the Greek word suke. Uh, we would get maybe the word psyche or psychology uh, from this. It is our mind. It's how we think. It's the way we think about things. And Mary starts off the whole thing saying, my mind, what I think about the world, what I think about this situation that I'm in is that I am going to magnify the Lord to make him look big, to make him look great. And then she says in verse 47, And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Uh, this word spirit uh, is the word for breath. She says, with everything I am, every time that I'm going to open my mouth, I'm going to rejoice in God my Savior. And what I see is interesting in this passage is she says, okay, my, my soul, my mind, what I think about is going to make God look great. I'm going to magnify God even in my own mind. And she says, my, my spirit, my breath, my very life itself is going to be spent in rejoicing in God as my Savior. And that prompted the, the question and the thought for myself, what parts of my life are praising God? Are there portions of maybe my time, my talents, what I spend my money on, that aren't, uh, that aren't spent praising or exalting God. What Mary's saying here is that everything in me is going to praise God. Everything I think about, everything that I expend myself in is all going to be to the praise of God. So for us, what parts of our life are praising God? He's surely worthy of it. But I see also in verses 48 through 50 that everything in us should thank God. So she kind of starts off with this big sentence of, of okay, everything that I am, everything I think about, my very breath is going to be spent praising God. But then in the following verses, she gives kind of the why. And we can see in there uh, three reasons that she gives. It's three, four statements. I'm going to thank God or I'm going to praise God for these three things. And the first one is that God has loved us. In verse 48, we can see, For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. Uh, I love this word, regarded. Uh, it's a specific word that means to look on with favor. It's more than just, I, I saw Leo. It's, I looked at and cared. I looked at and had good intent towards. And Mary here in the passage is saying he has regarded, he's looked at the low estate of his handmaiden. Now this low estate would be uh, kind of a similar word to humiliation. That God saw 
the state that Mary was in, in just a little town in Nazareth, that she was just a young girl. She wasn't uh, really in any sort of royalty position. She wasn't uh, in any sort of extremely rich family. Instead, it was just a lowly person. But God had loved her and had given her an incredible mission. Makes me think of in our lives, God saw our lowly condition. God saw our humiliation, that all of us were dead in sin and in trespasses. We were far from God. We were alienated. Romans 3 would tell us that none of us even realized our condition and none of us were seeking after God. None of us wanted to follow him, but he has looked on us with love. And not only did he love us, but he has blessed us. She gives here the second four. The first four was because he has, he's looked on his handmaiden with love. And the second four here, for behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. Uh, and I love what she does here. It says, for behold, that word behold, uh, the Greek word idu, um, you look at. It's wow, would you look at this? Would you pay attention to this? And there's kind of this juxtaposition of God has looked on me with love. God has looked. Now, everyone else, look. From henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. And man, when I think about our spiritual lives, we have been greatly blessed by God. Man, we're able to sit in this church building. Uh, I was... Uh, back at my uh, home church in Colorado just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I remember vividly uh, for the uh, probably six or seven years uh, that I attended there, uh, we had to set up and take down chairs, uh, TVs, all of the musical equipment, all of the sound equipment, uh, everything, every single Sunday. And uh, it was quite the endeavor, and uh, we did that for years, every single week. And I think, man, this is a great blessing to be able to have a building. Uh, it's a blessing to have a church family that loves you and cares about you. And I know Pastor talks about it often, just the great church family that we have here. And uh, my wife and I have so enjoyed being able to come alongside this church that was already going strong and already following the Lord and just being able to uh, join and, uh, and enjoy all of that. But I think even more than some of these temporary blessings, uh, we can realize the greatest blessing that even Mary was talking about of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't just save us. He didn't just send us on our way to heaven. He didn't simply give us a church family. But even as we learned about Sunday, he's given us spiritual gifts so that we would be able to serve one another and to point people to Jesus. He has given us his very presence with us at all moments of our life. Not only that, but he is also always interceding on our behalf to the Father that we know that we have an advocate with the Father. There's never a moment in which we are alone. There's never a moment in which we are unloved. There's never a moment in which we do not have a family. God has given us all of these things and he has richly blessed us. So we should thank him. 
Not only that, but God has worked for us. Verse 49, it says, For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. This goes along with everything we've been talking about, but God has done some incredible works, both in history, uh, all of the works that we read about in scripture that brought about our salvation and uh, our church family. Uh, But God is also doing things each and every day for us, that he is a faithful provider. I think even of uh, the words of David where he says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread, that God is a faithful God to us, even in hard times. But God has worked for us and done incredible things on our behalf, so we should praise him. Not only that, but God has been merciful to us. And we can see this in verse number 50. His mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. When I read this verse, I thought it was kind of interesting, the words mercy and fear. It says his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Uh, this word mercy is the word elios. It, it means pity or compassion. God has compassion on those that fear him. A fear of God comes from a full realization of who God is, that God is perfectly holy, that God is righteous and that he is just and that we are not. And when we realize that God is holy and that we are not, it causes us to fear because we realize, man, if God's going to be just, if God's going to be right, then there is a punishment. There is a retribution for our sin. But God promises his compassion to them that realize that fact. That the people that most realize their lack of worthiness of God's mercy are the ones that are most freely given it. The less you think you deserve God's mercy, the more he pours it out to you. Think of what the Apostle Paul said, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. So God has loved us, he's blessed us, he's worked for us, and he's been merciful to us. When I see all of these individual things that Mary mentions that she is praising God for or thankful to God for, it made me think, what individual things have I been thanking God for this week? It might not be some extraordinary long prayer, but are there things in your life that you can thank the Lord for? Too often we can allow the little annoyances of life to stack up and we could name our many annoyances, count them one by one, but when are we going to count the many, many ways that our Lord has blessed us? It will absolutely blow you away when you see how God, how good God has been to you when we take stock of this. Not only should we praise God and thank God though, Everything in us should fear God. In verses 51 through 53, uh, we see that Mary lists here three examples of God's holiness. And it was kind of interesting as I was reading through this, there have actually been uh, 
countries that have banned the reading of this passage of Scripture because of uh, some of the consequences of what we see. But first, Mary lists, God has openly judged secret pride. Verse 51, he hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. God is holy, and if God is to be holy and righteous in what he does, then that means that sin and wrong and evil has to be dealt with. And Mary, in singing this song of gratitude and praise and thankfulness, realizes God's holiness and exalts him. And she lists this first reason of uh, this first example, rather, of God's holiness. She says, he has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. The word for pride here is hyperphano. And uh, it means to shine out bright, to be seen, to appear. The proud are those that are seeking to uh, hyper extremely show themselves, make themselves appear to other people. And it says that God has scattered them. Uh, Many of us would be familiar with the many instances in the Bible where God scatters his people because of sin that they have. And we would think of uh, even today, the many Jews that are scattered across the globe uh, in fulfillment of many of Jesus's prophecies, even while he was here On the earth. But I find it interesting that it says that the proud were proud in the imagination of their hearts. For these people, it wasn't even necessarily that uh, maybe all of their actions or all of their words exhibited great pride. No, God even sees our hearts. And so because of this, God showed righteousness in openly judging, scattering secret pride, the pride of the imagination of their hearts. And man, it can be, it can be easy sometimes to think, okay, if I'm not boasting or something with my lips, if I'm not posting maybe all of these things on social media about how great I am, uh, then I'm, I'm safe from pride. But we can see in this verse, God even sees the pride in the imagination of our hearts. And so that's one example of God's holiness that Mary gives. But then she also gives this one. God has deposed the powerful and lifted up the humble. Verse 52 says, He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. Mary here rejoices in the fact that even the people that thought they were so great and had great position and power were not the ones that God's special blessing of the Messiah had come to. Instead, it was a person of low degree. This is the exact same word that Jesus would later use to uh, describe himself when he said, uh, come to me and uh, take my yoke upon you for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And so Jesus, uh, or Mary here, is describing this fact that God has pulled down, has deposed the mighty from their thrones, and instead has exalted those that have God's heart, 
a heart of humility. A humility so great in, on Jesus' part that he didn't even uh, reject coming to earth, taking on our frail human flesh and dying on the cross in our place. It was that humility that Jesus had and it's that same humility that he's looking for in his people, that we would be like him in that way. But then we see a third example of God's holiness in verse number 53. God has satisfied those in need and exiled those in hoarded abundance. It says, he hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent empty away. It's kind of a cool thing in this passage in Greek that uh, we really don't have the same uh, way of phrasing it in English, but both the word hungry and the word empty are both present, active, participle verbs. No one came for an English lesson. So what does that mean? He has filled the ones who are hungering with good things and the ones that are being rich, he has sent away empty. Here God says for the people that are actively in need, that he has filled them, he has satisfied them. And I love this word here is in the, in the past tense that God has already provided, God has already made a way for those that are in need to be satisfied to be made whole. Man, that's a comfort because we do have times when we are hungering, when we are in need. But I'm thankful that in those times that God has promised provision. I think even of Philippians 4 where it says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That we can rest even in times of want, times of lack, times of need, we can trust that God will fulfill his promises. And it says, and the rich, those that both are rich and are being rich, that they have things, they have abundance, they have what really could go to those that are hungering. He says, and the, those that are being rich, he has sent empty away. And man, I, I can think of the admonition of Paul in 1 Timothy 6, where he talks about those that will be rich, uh, those that have this desire, this constant, uh, really, lust for money, those that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in perdition. Sometimes uh, when we don't have money or when we don't have things or when the circumstances aren't going our way, we can tend to think, oh man, if I just had a little bit more, if I just had this job or if I just had this house or if I just had this thing, then everything would be all right. But what we forget in those instances is God doesn't say, okay, for the rich, those are the ones that God provides for. That might be in our human nature how we would think. Oh, there's the people that are rich, God is providing for them. But what we see from the Old Testament and from this verse in the New is that God is there in a real and a moving and a precious way for those that are in need. 
And often those that have this uh, large desire to be rich and a will for money above all else uh, forsake God and have no desire for him. So be thankful even in times of need, knowing that you have the promises of God that you can rely on. In all of these examples of uh, secret pride that God openly judges, of God deposing the powerful and lifting up those that have his heart of humility, and in God satisfying those in need and exiling those in hoarded abundance, I can see this consistent theme of God rejecting, resisting, sending away the proud and giving grace or his favor, his supply to the humble is the posture of our hearts, humble or proud. For Mary, in this instance, she is able to say, God, you have seen my heart. You've seen uh, the, the lowly estate that I'm in, my humiliation, uh, the small town I come from. You've seen my heart that I am trying to walk with you and love you. And so Mary was able to say that her heart was humble before the Lord. But what's the state of our hearts? Are we proud or are we humble like our Savior? Not only should we praise God, thank God, and fear God, but the last thing I see this evening is that everything in us should trust God. Verses 54 and 55, it says, He hath holpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Uh, With a couple of words, uh, just for clarification, he has helped his, this word servant uh, would be from the same word that we would maybe get uh, pediatrician. Uh, It's the little child, his little one, his little servant, Israel, in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And I see in here that Mary gives this uh, long look back through Israel's history, through her ancestry, really where she would have come from. And she reminds herself that God was faithful to all of the generations before. And so she can trust him in what he is doing and how he is working even now. You can see these different names that she mentions in here. Israel, Jacob obviously would also be uh, speaking of the nation of Israel as a whole, but I can see that uh, God had helped Israel. God had given his promise to Abraham, it says, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham. That first uh, promise specifically to him of the Messiah that was coming in whom all the nations of the world would be blessed. So she says, God, you were there for Israel. You were there for Abraham. And God had fulfilled his promise to all the generations after. 
that even though Israel had been in danger time and time and time again, and there were moments where they didn't know if they were going to get out of slavery in Egypt, they didn't know if they were going to be able to make it through the wilderness, especially after wandering for so many years. There were times when uh, they were enslaved by uh, the different countries around them, and they didn't know if they were going to ever see the light of day again. There were times when Israel was dispersed for 70 years and then God was faithful to bring them back. And so Mary here sees all of these times in the past where God had worked and now she expresses trust in that same God again, saying, God, you worked for Israel, you worked for Abraham, you've been faithful through all these generations. I trust you to be faithful even in my circumstances. Have you looked back on your life recently to see God's hand at work? This goes back into the thoughts of thanksgiving and of showing gratitude, but there is a great wisdom and spiritual help in seeing all the times that God has been faithful to you before when you are uh, facing and looking at the trials that are coming in your own life. When there's uncertainty about the future, take a look back and see all the times that God has been there for you, that he's provided for you, that he has given you wisdom, that he has given you friends to help along the way. And let that encourage and motivate you to continue to trust God going into the future. And man, when I think even about Israel, uh, Israel often walked away from the Lord. I can think uh, the one word I think of when I think of judges, uh, pastor, is cyclical, because you probably said it a large number of times uh, during that series a couple years ago. And man, there was just this continuous cycle of Israel walking away from the Lord, serving idols, not following him. But aren't you thankful that God doesn't just write us off whenever we are going through those times of maybe doubt or when we're walking away from the Lord, but that he is faithful and loving to bring us back into fellowship with him. And it might involve some correction along the way, but man, God is so faithful to us even when we are so unfaithful to him. And then are you aware of how God has worked and is working? Man, I think of uh, even Mary expressing some of these things. Maybe she learned it in, uh, in the local synagogue. Maybe she heard the stories from her parents of all of these events that had taken place and the promises of God. That's a great reason to dive into our Bibles each and every day because when we know that God has worked, then we can have trust in him for the future. Mary wasn't there for any of these events that she's talking about of God's help of Israel or God's promises to Abraham or even to the generations that would come after them. Mary wasn't there for any of that. She didn't see any of it. But the testimony of faithfulness that she had heard from others and that even we can read about in the word of God can be an extraordinary help in times of trouble. And way too often, we can be very focused on how the devil is working right now. And we can be very focused on how, uh, you know, 
so-and-so or this person or this country or these terrorists are working. We can be very fixated on that and not nearly focused enough on how God is working right now, on how God is seeing souls saved, on how God is moving his church forward and growing his people. And sometimes I think we could do well to focus a little bit more on the current workings of our God than the current workings of whatever it is we may fear in this life. All of this happens because Mary says, God has regarded me. He has looked with favor on me. And I thank the Lord that there's not a person alive that God has not looked with favor on, that God hasn't given his son to save, that God hasn't fully given his blessings, blessings of life, of family, of shelter, all of these things that God has given. And so because we have been noticed by our loving Heavenly Father, how is it going to affect our week? How is it going to affect us in the next couple of days? For Mary, she said, everything in us should praise God because he has noticed us. Everything in us should thank God for his wonderful works and for his actions. Everything in us should fear God, realizing who he is, realizing his holiness and our responsibility of humility just as he was humble. And then everything in us should trust God. He's been faithful through all the ages past. He's been faithful in your life. He will continue to be faithful. Praise him. Thank him. Fear him. Trust him. Has the fact that God notices you impacted you? We'd all be uh, shocked if this evening any number of former presidents walked into the room and said, hey, Danny, great to see you again. You know, we might not expect that from, you know, any of the President Bushes, President Clinton, President Obama, President Trump. I, no matter who it was, I'd be a little shocked that they noticed Danny. The God of the universe has noticed you, has given his fullest expression of love his son, to you. How is it going to affect you this week? Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.